This week's episode is brought to you in part by FNX Fit, a fitness supplements brand that can get you hooked up with all of your pre, post, during workout needs as well as other nutritional supplements. Use checkout code CARLPOOLING at fnxfit.com to get 15% off your order. Hunter, I am just covered in human filth and human gore. Oh. From well, what? head to toe. That, so we're recording the show? No, but not the typical kind. Not not the typical gore. Not our, our bloodstone circle feeling that takes place at the beginning of every pre-show ritual. Right, of course. I'm f- covered in human gore and, and brain matter because... I think somewhere close to 57 billion heads exploded this week. (laughs) And I've just been trying to towel and squeegee the remains of their shattered cortex off of my... I have some in my eye. Have you ever had brain in your eye? Yeah, I mean, I I too participate in the bloodstone circle rituals, uh, you know, in my own domicile. Um, Sometimes for the show, sometimes to help me sleep at night. Um, so yeah, I, I'm totally familiar with cranium in the eye. It's, if it's you, standard. <laughs> if you've ever seen those Hallmark movies where like about 60% of the way through the film, the, there's a misunderstanding between the guy and the girl. So the girl has to go on a girl's trip for a spa day yes. and inevitably they have that shot of her covered like with a towel on her head covered in that beauty mud with cucumber yep. slice on her eyes yep imagine that but the mud is just human gore and yes. the thing that you place over your eyeballs is just another pair of humans eyeballs oh well yeah that that's a bit much it's how we start every show but this week we didn't even have to <laughs> find a homeless person because there was already plenty <laughs> lying around guys what a show we have for you today if you still not homeless if people. you've made it through the serial killer intro welcome to the show carl pulling a show that needs no introduction because you should already be aware that you can't listen to us at work we yeah. are the number one podcast we are we are an audio pink slip that you can give yourself we will certainly get you fired. It's your favorite show. We talk about politics, philosophy, art, religion, culture, science. And this week, we're going to, by obligation and duty, we are going to be talking about the only story that anyone is talking about. Yeah. Um, but we're just going to do it better. So, yeah. So, uh, be looking with forward more gore. to that. Yeah, with <laughs> way more gore and, yeah. uh, and popping heads. The the yeah. reaction has truly been completely insane, and I, I can't wait to to get into the nitty gritty details with you. Yeah, but absolutely in a week and a news cycle that's been dominated by thousands of hilarious anecdotes. Mm-hmm. I hope you found something for us truly unique, Hunter. Please bequeath unto the gentle listener one one rancid raccoon carcass of roadkill. Right. So um, this is this one's pretty good actually on, on in with our theme, but just kind of tangentially related to the whole 
uh, nightmare that's happening in your social media at this point. Uh, the numbers have come in, and Spotify gained 2 million new subscribers during the Joe Rogan controversy. So okay. if you'll remember, Hunter, Chris. You do know it's Rogan, right? What did I say? You know, like in America, we say yogurt. And no. then in England, they say yogurt. Yeah, Joe Rogert. I said Joe it, Rogan. <laughs> I don't know what I did, you, but I you apologize. You Britishified Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. Um, but Joe Rogan. Can uh, you imagine it, if he was a posh British person? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> James be, Worth. James Worth. Research this instance for me. James Worth. <laughs> James Worth. Where are my jazz cigarettes, James Worth? <laughs> James Worth, heat the ketamine. I don't know how you take ketamine exactly, but I'm, that's uh, yeah. James, I'm surprised at you. Yes, but if you'll remember, uh, there were several doctors who um, expressed views about the virus we all lovingly refer to as COVID. Uh, I'm sorry, COVID nineteen. That's my family's name for it. Uh, Joe Rogan had these doctors on his. Uh, show and there was a lot of pushback against that to the point where Spotify started putting you know COVID misinformation uh, notifications on the majority of Joe Rogan's episodes and on the majority of Spotify episodes in general. Joe basically said he was sorry but also felt that it was good to have more people on the podcast felt like he needed to vet people and you know grill people on the show too you know that have different views and have different points come on and despite the just massive outpouring from the uh social media journalist people who wanted joke off the air so they could finally have all of his money spotify actually got two million more subscribers so you hit them where it hurts, everybody, right in their wallet. So well done, you know. Yeah, Spotify is really going to listen to you now. It it must make them very upset to know that everybody that they hate is actively monetizing their tears. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a wonderful world we live in. But he had a couple of a couple of uh, quote fringe doctors, and I, I'm going to be careful with calling anybody a fringe doctor at this point because just about everything that we believed about COVID uh, has been proven false. And everything that we initially were not allowed to say about COVID, not only has, pr not only are we now allowed to say it actually was proven true. There, yeah. what there's very good data about the origins of, of COVID. Now we, we haven't gotten into China to investigate, but it seems very likely that it was it was a lab escape. And for a long time, that was your persona non grata, if you mentioned that point, right? And you're not allowed to say anything about the ineffectiveness of masks, and then Omicron comes around, and everybody, even Dr. Fauci, who uh, has more flip-flops than Old Navy, says <laughs> that says that it's... It, it's um, kind of pointless to wear a cloth mask i mean it's just every every point has reversed itself so a lot of times when we we talk about you know these fringe doctors that are bucking against the mainstream a, a lot of them have been proven very very correct and i'm that's not me making a case that in general you should buck mainstream science in in lieu of the fringe because if you do that you're just kind of a moron nut conspiracy case it's not right because it's fringe but 
you could always look at the underlying data for these things. And mm-hmm. when you see the CDC is continuously updating its guidelines and policies without updating the underlying data upon which those policies are formulated, something is rotten in Denmark, Hamlet. And so you, you need to examine the data for yourself. That's, that's the main point. Um, yeah. You know, that can be extended to things like ivermectin and, and zinc and all of the other remedies that we weren't weren't going to try you, you'll remember for a long time the whole, entire cdc and nih were pooing the efficacy of monoclonal antibody treatment mm-hmm. and florida said that's fine we'll take it all if you don't want it and then it proved to be very very effective and then the feds came in and said oh we have to regulate monoclonal antibody treatment so we can give more of it to people that were six seconds ago making fun of you for taking it i mean it's just you have to look at the underlying data and when data and and agenda intersect you ought to be wary and and covid of course has brought that into high relief so anyhow there's my there's my rant against the mainstream, but also against yeah. you crazy wackadoos who refuse to believe even basic science because because it is mainstream. Some I'm things always, are mainstream because they're they're obvious. Yeah, I'm always worried when I hear somebody without evidence say the powers that be are corrupt. Like that always raises my hackles because I'm like, what are you trying to hack me into? You know, like that that and like if you don't have evidence for that. Um, that always makes me nervous. And some of that happened with a few of these doctors. I listened to the shows, you know, there's, there's a few moments where I think that not that they were raising questions of, you know, they were shining lights where they didn't have any proof. Right. And I don't necessarily think that's bad, but it does make me concerned. And I think one of the things that's interesting uh, about that though is that critique is really 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 hard to stick if you're open and transparent right yeah, and that's the problem with this that's the problem with smart people and it's the problem with the cdc is the cdc wanted to obfuscate everything that they were doing to hide the facts to hide the information and their reputation is absolutely toast right over this and nobody know nobody wants to believe them nobody thinks they know how to ha- handle a pandemic which is like the whole reason they exist like they seem incompetent and buffoonery and the main reason is because they chose to teach, uh, to treat the U.S. population like a bunch of kids, right, instead of like adults. And if they had gone out and said, here's the information, here's what's happening, you can know it's this way because this is how it's working, and they had taken the time to explain it, to make it very clear to why what we were doing was having a positive effect, and they updated that as quickly and as honestly as they possibly could, man, that would have made it almost impossible to stick a conspiracy theory on them. Right. And that's, oh, that's, sure. the, that's, that I think is a huge issue, but um, well, well, yeah. But she, and it's because they had policy interests above, above medical practice. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. And it, it's actually part of the religious right of the, the left wing in America now, which, you know, what? now that we're on the subject, let's talk about it for a little bit. But yeah, um, I, I'm going to say this too. Their goal was never to give you the data. In fact, Right. You know, count back to two years ago and you're laughed out of polite society for questioning the COVID numbers. And, you know, your crazy uncle is calling you up and saying they're they're treating everyone who goes to the hospital who dies for COVID. And if they had COVID, they're listing the cause of death as COVID and they're getting mm-hmm. the money from doing all this. Well, yep. yeah, it was like maybe maybe not like I let's look at the data for it. And mm-hmm. turns out now the CDC is revising its own its own COVID death tolls down. It, yep. it, for for precisely that reason and it's it's 
absolutely accurate that these people tried to hide the data. I mean, Anthony Fauci came out and, and argued that he told you the noble lie about masks so that there would be enough supply for the healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, that is what you do to incompetence, retards, and babies. Right. It, it's not how you treat a, a free population. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. And now, anybody who criticizes Fauci is is labeled anti-science, you know? Um, I'm looking at an article from 538 right now, and this is the headline from the article. It says, why being anti-science is now part of many rural Americans' identity. That's the headline <laughs> to this 538 article. And I'll just say uh. this, and, and they have a picture of a little cartoon of, of Dr. Tony Can't Pitch Fauci, and it it says arrest Fauci on the on the poster. And of course, mm. now the juxtaposition there is that he is the science, which by the way isn't my my reading into it. He said so directly. But they're saying that being uh, having a science that says arrest Fauci is being anti-science, right? That's the juxtaposition that this article is drawing. Sure. Just from the headline. However, Dr. Fauci would be the number one critic of Dr. Fauci if you lined him up at different times. He has changed mm-hmm. his position on every single issue, regardless mm-hmm. of changes of underlying data, of which there's been very, very, very little. We knew from very early on in this pandemic, not from the beginning, but from very early on that this thing wasn't deadly. Uh, by and large and lo and behold it's still not and now it's even less deadly than the cdc originally quoted us and even by those numbers it wasn't particularly deadly and also it was heavily striated by how freaking fat you were (laughs) you know what i'm saying and how old you were like it's just it's just ignorant it's just ignorant let me let me wrap up this little aside with an anecdote hunter i am getting on a plane headed back to the beautiful state of georgia from Cleveland, Ohio, which can I just say, what a crap hole. Um, what a crap hole. What a crap hole. Cleveland, they've got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I guess is cool. I like rock and roll, but that also means they unironically have a picture of Kid Rock in the airport, which is in completely poor taste. I, I, I don't mind Kid Rock except for his music and everything that he does and everything that he wears. But other than that, I'm kind of a fan. And he said some pretty funny uh, correct things lately so so kid rock come on the show anytime we'd love to have <laughs> you honestly but just like not to talk about your music but <laughs> anyway um you're just for a different breed of person kid rock i, I respect what you do it's just not me you know um i anyhow. don't respect him and i want to go on re- no i don't want to <laughs> they're gonna have <laughs> anyhow <Not me. laughs> i'm sitting there waiting for our plane to to begin boarding and the way that the airport is set up, there are uh, there are two gates in the same little seating area that mm. leave from the extreme left and the extreme right sides of the seating area. Mm. And on our side was the flight to Atlanta, and on their side was a flight to Los Angeles. And I'm sitting there watching, and in the Los Angeles flight, because uh, the mask mandate had just dropped less than a week previous when I took this flight, and when I'm sitting there watching... About 50% of the people headed to L.A. had masks with them. About mm-hmm. 20% flying to Atlanta did. And as I'm watching them, these people will arrive at the seating area with masks on. And then they will sit down and immediately take their masks off. Not to eat, not to drink. Just while they're sitting, COVID can't get them anymore, right? Yeah. Then when they started calling the names to board the plane, they literally stand up, put their masks back on, 
to go stand in line to to board the plane. It was wow, absolute insanity. And the, the creme de la creme, as I'm sitting here watching this, I see this girl who's facing away from me, and she she looks the part, if you will. Mm-hmm. She's wearing a blue shirt with white lettering and a, a little pictogram of a mask that says "masks on" with a big exclamation point. Wow, you know so, that's going to convince people. No mask. Wasn't wearing one. No. Wow. Are you serious? That's yeah. that's amazing. And, and I had just tweeted out. I was sitting there tweeting while we were looking at it. I had just tweeted out. This isn't a medical device to these people. It's a fashion accessory and, yeah. and an identity accessory. And then as I'm sitting there tweeting that out, I see this girl, and it's like, you are, I, you are beyond satire. You are through the looking glass. You're yeah. wearing an accessory referencing the accessory. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just so goofy. So goofy, yeah. but anyhow. Maybe she, maybe she maybe she didn't know English. Let's let's give her the benefit of the doubt. Someone just she found that shirt, you know. Someone gave it to her, and she didn't know what it meant. That's yeah. That doesn't make any sense. She's a crazy she, person. She could have been. <laughs> she could have been a homeless person who was gifted that shirt, uh-huh. um, who also was flying to L.A. You know what? Right. I don't know what kind of entitlements they have over there. Maybe they let homeless people fly in. Yeah, to come for use real. their giant porter potty of a city. Ooh. So, anyhow, Any, Anthony Fauci is queer. <laughs> okay, that's that's a that's a take. That's my take. Did you see him throw that first pitch? I <laughs> uh, I don't know if I did or not. I did hear about it. So, so the yeah. ball went behind him. It was it was that's a peanuts glorious. cartoon. Well, that that's a picture of pure health right there. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's good stuff. That's what it is. All right. Well, Hunter, let's jump into today's main topic. I'm sure the the eagle-eared among our listeners, do eagles have good hearing? They can't, right? If they had good hearing, they wouldn't make that noise. Yeah, that's that's probably true. Or they've got like very good ear protection that they slip in when they need to squawk. (laughs) That can't be it. I'm ignoring that. <laughs> All right. Is there Fair an enough. animal, uh, Jamie? Check on this for me, Jamie. Is there an animal that can close its ears without obstructing it, like we would use our fingers? Is there? Yeah. An, is there an animal that can articulate its its ear canals? That, uh, probably like certain dogs. Certain dogs. They like, yeah, they like their ears get all flapped up around. Oh, oh you mean goodness. like crocodiles? Crocodiles what? can close their ears. Crocodiles can close their ears. Yeah, that's excellent. Is it, okay. is it for is it so that they can go underwater? Special flaps, amazing, amazing. That's and, and can terrifying. they still hear underwater? Is it like a different membrane that they cover their ear with that works better underneath the water? This is incredible, guys. We're we're working with a producer now that that listens to the show live with us. Is uh, what's going on right now? So half the show is now just going to be me asking random trivia questions because I basically can force someone to Google for me. It's an amazing power. Her name is Jamie. Her name is Jamie. We 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 found her. She was outside of Joe Rogan's uh, podcast studio, going, "Please, I'm also Jamie. <laughs> I'm also a Jamie. Please let me Google for you." This is it all was I very can do. sad, honestly. That's she was amazing. trying to get on a flight to L.A. so that she could use the, <laughs> use the restroom. <laughs> oh my lord! Um, all right, let's let's jump ahead. So so while while Jamie's yeah. looking that up, today's main topic: the uh-huh. crocodile-eared among you. I'm sure can can guess. We're going to talk about Elonius Musk and mm-hmm. his unbelievable play for 
the spicy bluebird of the internet. Now, Hunter, mm. I had I, I was parting ways with a bunch of my friends near the beginning of this whole fiasco. Oh, uh, were you? Okay, I was be, uh, because well, a lot of a lot of my my pals. Uh, when he first offered the deal, thought, well, this will never happen. There's no way they'll accept it, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. I understand why they thought that, but kind of kind of leaning on some of my finance background and looking at the EBITDA of the initial share and the initial share price compared to what he was offering, I was like, actually, I don't know that they can reject this offer. I don't know what they could do to stop it. Like the valuation that he's giving $54 per share is at a massive premium. I don't know that they can legitimately re- refuse this offer without bankrupting Twitter because you effectively open yourself up to a myriad lawsuits if you don't engage in this in this offer because you're not acting fiduciarily with your shareholders anymore. Can, can you explain that to me just a little bit? Are you saying that the Twitter stockholders if this deal wasn't accepted, would have legal grounds to sue the board essentially for not doing a hundred percent. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Absolutely. Because effectively, if they didn't have a data driven, reasonable expectation that the share price was going to return to the price that Musk was offering effectively, then they're acting in not in the best interest of the shareholders, which violates the relationship between the shareholders and the board in general. And then it's very possible that, that uh, civil suits most likely could follow, could follow that. Can I ask another stupid question here for the not financially literate among us is what if, what if me as a shareholder sees this and I'm like, "Mm, you know what? 54 is great, but Twitter stock was 63 a year ago. I would, totally love to just hold on to the stock i'm not interested in selling mr musk um i guess is is that is that is that a potential take that people can have as well yeah Um, but not an individual take that you can have so the the thing about shareholdership is that it doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want it's it's not that you privately own your shares nearly as much as you should think that you own a percentage of the controlling interest of a corporation and so sure holding on to shares it's real power as far as as corporate direction goes is in proxies the proxy votes associated with your your shareholdership so and if the if whole enough of the powerful shareholders want to sell and then that doesn't happen they can sue twitter for that cost or whatever that damage of not of not doing what's in their best interests and that could be really damaging to twitter because it would essentially be having to like it's getting sued over its worth that musk was willing to pay essentially am i getting anywhere close to it or am i completely it, it, off it's it's just that the the board itself would be open to to litigation and of course uh, I don't know exactly how Twitter is incorporated, but I'm assuming they have some kind of limited liability protection associated to the corp. And so okay. then if the board acts against the interest of the shareholders in a publicly traded company, then they have they are open to, to civil lawsuits and torts because of the damages that you cause by not acting in shareholder best interest. And this would be like, I could say the shareholders aren't, meeting my interest because of whatever stupid reason I come up with and I sue them and that goes nowhere. But this would be a very 
data driven. This is the price Musk was willing to pay. This is the price my shareholder, my share is worth. This is the difference in value that's been robbed of me by the board. They have like a very, very concrete suit here. Yeah. Well, and let me, let me walk you through the timeline a little bit of this too, because that'll probably help some as well. The, the typical response to evaluation like this, uh, would be just to accept it, right? Because it is a good deal. Yeah. Um, if you don't do that, if you don't just accept it outright on behalf of the shareholders and say, hey, look, the board took a look at this. We've got to accept this thing. Um, then we, you, what you would often do is hold an actual vote where the shareholders can uh. decide what do we want to do with given this opportunity, right? Uh, you, you've got to be careful because just because the shareholders have to act in your best interest doesn't mean that they can't take on risk. They absolutely yeah. can take on risk. Yeah. But the the risk has got to be mitigated by some public ownership of the company. And so you can't take on a massive risk for a company that generates almost no revenue like Twitter to say, yeah. we're going to double the valuation of our stock nearly right mm-hmm. in a in a reasonable amount of time say 5 years right because mm-hmm. money money today is worth more than money 5 years from now so say the mm-hmm. share price gets up to $54 5 years from now well mm-hmm. now you're talking about what's the going market rate as we increase interest rates or what's the mm-hmm. what's the bond yield rate when yeah. of that all of that cash compounded annually for 5 years now you're talking about a very different number so it's a number that gets away from you very quickly if that makes gotcha. sense it and does. so and so you've you have to have a reasonable expectation that that is that the valuation can be exceeded effectively in a reasonable time frame and that's why looking at some of their earnings before interest depreciation and taxes etc some of some of those numbers are like hey they're they're giving you a really solid musk is offering an incredibly solid deal for right. this stock and so a lot of people a lot of people were saying why won't they open this up to the vote because it was very obvious what the shareholder will here was was to double their money overnight and get out right right uh, exactly. which is, is yeah. a pretty you know a pretty you don't get savvy deals. <laughs> yeah exactly it's a pretty yeah. savvy financial move but the yeah. fact that the shareholders were attempting to push back on this without opening up to a vote that exposes you to interest for instance if they did this same exact si- simulation and they opened it up to a vote and the shareholders decided via their proxies to not accept the bid well then mm-hmm. they're kind of off the hook from a from a relationship standpoint because they they acted in the will of the shareholders right but if they weren't going to allow the shareholders voice to be heard yes okay yeah and that's kind of what the board is there to do right like this is the function of of corporations publicly held corporations with boards in america and a lot of people might not understand this because it is kind of a foreign world to to a lot of us but the ceo like Prague agarwal is not the same as the board which had until recently jack dorsey um, and a couple other a couple other high profile members, including a Saudi prince who owns five yeah. percent of the company, as well as major financial institutions like Vanguard, is until extremely recently the primary shareholder in Twitter. Right. So that group, their whole function is to act like act like a shareholder when all of the public shareholders cannot be 
cannot be bothered because there's so many decisions that need to be made for a large corporation like this. Where do we invest? How are we going to raise capital? What kind of, of debt leverage should we take on? Right. They want to make those decisions. And they hold the the C-suite responsible, essentially. That's well, right. And and they set direction too. like, there's some very high level direction that they set that, that is then consumed by the C-suite that Mm -hmm. goes in and acts out the the will. And if you want to think about it a certain way, it's kind of the same as our government. There's a legislature and an executive branch. The legislature used to make the laws and the executive branch used to execute on them, right? It's kind of the CEO is the executor of the the will of the board is one way to think about it. And the board is is the one that is setting the direction and making the high-level dispensation of strategy. In your example, does that make the Supreme Court the HR department? Oh, yeah, I guess so. No wonder I hate HR. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Have you ever talked with anyone from HR and just been like, man, that was awesome? (laughs) I haven't. Even if it's just been friendly, I'm like, what kind of – what made you want to get into this? Yeah, Toby. Anyway. Goodbye, Toby. So let's let's bring it back to the – I hope that was was fruitful to people. I Um, I think it was – if nothing else, it's helpful to me because – I think when I was seeing the offer on the table, I was like, this is above my pay grade, sir. Like that was kind of my take on what I was seeing. Um, I didn't know what was going to happen. And I, I, I do know the difference between like boards and the C-suite, but I really don't understand publicly traded companies very well and how they have to act in scenarios like this. So this was educational for me and it's good to kind of get some more information from it from you as well. It also raises like all new possibilities in my mind of like, very, very wealthy people having the opportunity to buy publicly traded companies as long as they're willing to shell out massive amounts of cash. And it's like, well, that seems on un- that seems unlikely that that will happen, actually, just given, you know, the amount of cash you would have to buy certain major companies. But it is a really interesting um, possibility now that's open to me. So, anyway. yeah, yeah. Oh, and we can get into that more because this is this whole conflagration this is a real flashpoint between these two concepts of stakeholder and shareholder capitalism stakeholder capitalism is basically a giant farce and shareholder capitalism is the mechanism by which we have propelled the the maximum amount of human ingenuity in the 20th and 21st centuries it truly is revolutionary and if you want to get into stakeholder capitalism you're really not talking about anything too drastically different than state-sponsored capitalism or mercantilism that was so popular in the 18th century and the the 19th mm-hmm. century. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. there there's a very very different set of priorities and efficacies when you look at, at the two the two in isolation. So anyhow, to bring it back to this specific narrative, that's why when everyone was saying, well. Twitter will never sell. They're just a bunch of lefty loopy doos. I don't disagree with the second part, but I was like, I don't know that they've got a play here. They might, yeah, they might have their their uh, back against the wall, mm-hmm. and then you saw the the point. So that's when that's when Elon made his initial offer. He made it a couple weeks ago, late at night, to the board, and then he published the details of it in the actual SEC filing to his Twitter account in the morning and said, mm-hmm. "Here's the deal. It's serious." Um, it was kind of also a meme because I think it was fifty four dollars and twenty cents, which includes yeah. four twenty. It's yep. just good work, he, Elon. He's 
a, a champion um, on several fronts. Yeah. Um, so he did that. And then really quickly after that, the board was like, well, we're going to discuss it. Uh, a couple of prominent board members made some moves. So one of the first moves was that I can't remember the name of the Saudi prince. And honestly, I don't care who owned yeah. 5% in Twitter said that absolutely. He would not sell this will not stand, et cetera, et cetera. And he raised his interest to his stake in the company to 10%. No, so that was actually Vanguard. Vanguard owned about 6%. Are you sure? The, uh, yes, pretty sure. Hmm, okay. <laughs> okay. I, I thought I saw... Jamie just posted the name, and uh, I'm going to give it a try. Al-Walid bin Talal bin Abdulaziz Al-Saud. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's right at all, but that, that I, has I to did be my right. best. Yeah, um, I'm proud of you. And and Vanguard is the one that jumped up to 10%, which Musk was sitting around 9.2, 9.3. And so Vanguard jumped up and became the majority shareholder. Yeah. Uh, of course, a lot of these major investment firms have bought into this stakeholder capitalist hoopla because they, they want the regulators from Joe Biden's administration off their back, more or less. Mm -hmm. So those moves happen. And then you heard about this thing called a poison pill. And everyone was like, oh, they're doing the poison pill. This isn't going to happen. Yep. The poison pill is basically a mechanism by which stakeholders, um, uh, I said stakeholders, meant shareholders, can buy additional shares right, so the at board a discounted price. Yep. Yeah. Except the board for dilute. Elon Musk. Yeah. Yep. It, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it it yeah. is a targeted move. And, and the point is to have... Prevent hostile takeovers. Yeah. And, and so, and everyone was saying like, well, I can't, you know, it's never going to happen. And I was like, well, actually, this is a very typical move. Like, if you think a hostile takeover is incoming, it's not beyond the pale to put this option on the table in yep. the event that someone starts attempting to make those purchases of course i see what you're saying elon didn't do that but like this isn't if if you're worried about a hostile takeover this isn't an unheard of uh, an unheard of strategy just to put that option out there you know what i'm saying so yeah i think i think the right kind of over rotated on that as well and R rick hogue uh who i don't know if you know him or not he goes on to uh colin moriarty's uh podcast a good bit uh sacred symbols plus he's he's a legal counselor and he was talking about this uh with colin a while back and the thing he pointed out to was like like this poison pill option is actually just kind of like you're saying isn't super surprising if the board is indeed thinking it's being hostily taken over like if they're not happy with the ownership that's coming in so like you know, like this, this isn't exactly like it, it's a, it, it's dirty business to some extent because it actually hurts your shareholders, right? Because it dilutes the price of the shares they hold, right? By spreading out the ownership, but it's, it is typical business practice. Am I saying that right? Or am I getting kind of screwy on my terms there? No, no, more or less you're right. And, and to be honest, it didn't really have a huge effect on the share price it, it, because it really wouldn't until they started to buy actually more shares in the company, right? Right, and and that would typically happen when Musk started making a play for more, which he never did. And I don't think really ever intended yeah. to uh, yep. before the deal closed, you know? Yes. There's another part that's interesting about his SEC filing is he kind of said from the beginning, this is my best price, there will be no counteroffer, yeah. uh, which makes it all the sweeter when they accepted it, you know? Yes. Because yeah. they accepted his original filing, which is is... Honestly, kind of incredible to call your shot like that and hit it. 
uh, it just seems like exactly what he does. So well, you know, he was talking on TED on TED Talk about you know that he did have a plan B. You know, if they didn't accept his offer, and I'm wondering if he was going to sue them into the ground since he was such a significant shareholder at that point. You know, um, I don't know if that's a reasonable yeah, that's, thing. Or that's not. actually illegal. Um, it is okay. He couldn't. He couldn't have done it. Uh, I think when I think what he was referring to when he said that was this because he kept tweeting out these cryptic references like yeah. to love me tender and tender is the night. I think he was yeah. talking about a tender offer, which, by the way, is. Ah. Almost exactly how he ended up getting the company. Now, he didn't actually go through with a tender offer, but a tender offer is basically if the board won't let the shareholders vote, if they won't let me go directly to the owners with my proposal, I will go around their backs and cash buy shares from individuals instead of from the board. And and it's a pretty rare occurrence for large corporations. Um, I don't think it's ever happened for a corporation of the size of Twitter, although I could be wrong, but it it is something that in theory he could do. And that threat that he made in these intervening two weeks between the poison pill and all the negative press and the actual acceptance of the offer was he started talking about these things, and it seems like the will of the shareholders finally broke through to the board, and they were mm-hmm. backed into the wall and and accepted this offer, right? Yeah. So yeah, um, that that is the score. Let's let's that that's just some background. Let's talk about why Elon made this move and what we think of it a little bit. Yeah. Um, in his own words. He tweeted out, I don't have the exact tweet in front of me, but effectively it's like this. Free speech is the cornerstone of a functioning democracy. And as Twitter has become the town square in an increasingly digital world, he does not feel like it was doing a good enough job at maintaining the principles of free speech. Therefore, he wanted to buy the company, take it private, and make the necessary changes so that it could fulfill its role. And this is kind of something that you see in a lot of Elon's business dealings and a lot of his ventures. Yes. He pursues these things with great efficacy that he, uh, that he really believes in, in my opinion. And he does a really good job. Uh, I, there's people that are on both sides of the Tesla argument. If you've driven or ridden in a nice Tesla, there is something there. Maybe it's not the right materials that you would like, et cetera, ad nauseum. It is a heck of a vehicle. Sure, yeah. SpaceX has done things with rocketry. The The gap between, let's say, Apollo and SpaceX is the same as between ancient Chinese fireworks and Apollo. Sure, uh, he has yeah. revolutionized this, the space industry having yeah. a, a reusable booster. That is an undeniable feat. Uh, well, the thing, the thing that has been so impressive about that is that it's not impressive anymore. Yeah. Like you see, you see, like I've seen so many videos of Elon's rockets landing back on the platform that I'm just like, Oh, he did it. It's like, and it's just like, Excuse me? Right, exactly. We have a right. missile that just lands? You it know, lands it's itself. Like, it's yeah, incredible. It's, it's, yeah. And, and, you know, the Hyperloop thing never worked out, but this, and he, he can go back to even very early interviews with Elon, and he says, 
when I looked at the future of humanity and what humanity would need to survive going forward and to thrive going forward, it was an equitable peer-to-peer pay- payment system and, and banking system. It's PayPal, where he got his his nest egg, if you will. Yep. Yep. Then he said uh, electric vehicles to reduce emissions, um, effectively emission-reducing transportation, mm-hmm. and space exploration. And he also added to that list free speech. So these these companies, it's not just about selling a widget to him. He does have some some capitalist some capitalist do-gooderism backing these plays and honestly that's capitalism in its best form yes is he the richest man in the world absolutely and part of the reason he's the richest man in the world is because capitalism does this beautiful thing where it aligns public good and public interests with individual greed right individuals have to be greedy if you're not greedy you don't eat and and i'm sorry but that's the world that we live in now it's the world that we've always lived in i'm not saying you have to be a horrible immoral greedy person you have to have a certain amount of greediness and self-preservation to say hey i'm gonna take some of the food for me i'm gonna have to find some water for me you understand what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and then you can become more and more comfortable and more and more influential the more resources that you gather to yourself. And capitalism, instead of putting the direction of those goods and services in the hands of a government that is often ruled by relatively few people with relatively insular protections and powers or a handful of oligarchs, it says, hey, any individual who can come and make the planet a little bit of a better place we can reward you directly for that and then your own self-preservation and your thriving as you preserve yourself is aligned with the public good. Elon seems to understand this understand talks this. about it explicitly with, yeah. as far as Tesla goes, yeah. And, and that's what makes him in my opinion uh maybe the greatest capitalist to have ever lived. Uh, at least the greatest capitalist alive today. And he's mm. he's doing more than just making himself exorbitantly wealthy with his, his goals. So yeah. I, I think that, that that's quite good. And and so he's applied that rationale to Twitter. And he's got some he's got some concrete steps he wants to he's already said he wants to pursue to enable the that. Edit goal. <laughs> the edit button. The edit button is one of them. Hunter, just what are your thoughts on the edit button? What do you think? So, like, Jack's talked about the edit button before and, like, why he doesn't have one. You know, Twitter used to be a cell phone game, if you'll remember. Like, you texted Twitter, essentially, and then yeah. that was your tweet. And so, like, there is no take backsies in that world, right? And so, like, I I get that. Um, one thing I don't like about the edit button is the fact that if you have something go viral for the wrong purposes, like, there should be a way to see what you've done. Now, the Wayback Machine, right, and the uh, the internet at large will capture what you said, uh, even if you delete the tweet, right? Like there there is no hiding what you what you've done, you know. Um, the edit button to me feels like something that's smart and intelligent in this age. Like if you make a typo and you catch it, you should have the ability to correct that. 
Um, you know, I, I don't think you necessarily need the, you know, if you say something like, um, you know, if you, if you, if you say something that, and then it goes viral and then you edit your tweet, which changes the contact, the entire content of what went viral. I think that's kind of a weird way to game the system. So like a timed edit function seems to me correct. Yeah. You know, and he also said that like the Facebook system, it will preserve the pre-edited form so people can go back and look. But I, I have the same thought as you is like, there is a certain amount of added complexity then to seeing a high level troll you know, yeah. where you say something awful, somebody completely sounds off, and then you change it to be like, I don't think puppies should be raped or whatever you put, you right. know what I'm saying? And like, yes. now they yes. look like a total, yeah. So there, there's a little bit of an interesting thing there. I've always thought maybe 60 seconds, you can you can jump back in and change it, yeah. you know, gratis. But anyhow, uh, it's interesting. It's one of the le- lesser important points. He wants to do a couple things that I think are fundamentally good and things that, kind of tie into some peculiarities that we're seeing in the Twitter landscape right now that I think we should discuss before we go to maybe the heads popping, head spinning uh, of it all. He wants to open source the algorithms. Yeah, that's the best thing he's doing. There has long been a... There's long been a perception, and a perception based on some amount of data... Uh, as much as available since we cannot directly view Twitter's algorithms, that certain content and certain content providers are being de-boosted in their communications, whether this mm-hmm. is um, decreasing their their organic reach, mass unfollowings of certain individuals, uh, shadow banning as it were in fact there's a site from the uk uh, some uk based site where you can actually look up your twitter username and see if you're being shadow banned in any way and carl pooling the account itself even though it's not a very large account at all has vacillated between periods of having its replies de-boosted and not which is kind of interesting and my personal twitter has as well and hmm. then you look up accounts like brian stelter and of course they're they're always fine so that's part of the perception. The other issue is the bannings. I mean, there was a lot of people banned and banned at very peculiar times. I mean, Kaylee McEnany was banned right before the 2020 presidential election, effectively, mm-hmm. the, who was Trump's Trump's press secretary. Trump mm-hmm. himself is banned. Uh, many, many people have been kicked off Twitter. Project Veritas, the Babylon Bee, for the simple fact that they tweeted something that was was not you know it's something that was verboten by the powers that be at twitter and then even more disturbingly in my opinion you have the hunter biden laptop story that newsweek published where even sharing the article sharing a link to the article of a major united states publication would get you locked out of twitter and the tweet immediately taken down this this story just in the past month has been completely verified. And it actually, there's additional data coming out that makes it look like it's probably even worse than we initially thought. That yep. Hunter, that Joe Biden is way more familiar with Hunter Biden's business dealings in, in uh, Ukraine than he initially told anyone. Let on. Yeah. Yep. And, and that 
this this story in general would have changed the minds of a lot of voters. I can't remember the exact number, but there's a there's a double digits, yeah, and the first number isn't one yeah. percentage of voters that would have voted differently had they been been made aware of the Hunter Biden laptop story. Yeah, um, and you know, I remember this. It it just got shot down as pure you know russian agitprop back in back in the election and it turns out it's completely verified yeah. so kind of amazing amazing stuff yeah yeah Other, utterly strange and i i think by um uh jake or, this is this is good because you you know what people have really been wanting not necessarily the algorithm if if musk wants to put the algorithm out there that's fine but what people have really been wanting is transparency, right? Like mm-hmm. it feels like the rules are not even. And we see times when the rules are clearly, uh, you know, where one action is fine for this group of people, but for this group of people, we have special considerations, right? And it, it, it's not fair and it depends on what your political views and priors are. And so what most people have wanted to know is just make the rules clear. Facebook, tell us what we have to do. Google, tell us what we have to do. Don't leave it up to a community. Don't leave it up to a group of of you know judges that we can't get in contact with. Tell us what it is so we can know, right? And that and I think that's what people have mostly been wanting. Most people don't begrudge the fact that necessarily Twitter or any of these platforms could necessarily police the type of uh, speech that they wanted on their platform. But what was you know for the most part, just infuriating was the fact that it's not clear, right? It's not, it, it, there's in no way explained to people what's going on. Elon releasing the algorithm allows people to see what's actually going on beneath the hood. Good. Let yeah, people understand absolutely. that. Yeah. yeah and, and, and then you can play by whatever rules you think are fair. The, the other thing Elon said about this, and a lot of people are losing their minds over, over the fact that he supports free speech, which really shows you where these people are as far as the concept of, of human rights is concerned, uh, mm-hmm. speech being a primary human right, lest we forget. that he, he says what he means by freedom of speech being one of the guiding principles with which he wants to take this company is that he does not want to greatly exceed the laws of a given country. So he says that the laws are generally the will of the people. If people want to change the laws, they do so through the legislature and he wants Twitter to reinforce those laws and not to prohibit speech beyond that. He also said that violations of those are better handled by timeouts and not you know, permanent ultimate lifetime bannings. He wants mm-hmm. to see people on the platform. He wants it to be the true public square. And, and on this point, he sounds very conservative. Uh, yeah. he, he, he's not talking about hate speech. He's not talking about these vacuous, meaningless terms that people use as a cudgel to hammer their opposition because they have the reins of the vocal minority and the, the Zephyr's support of, of, this windy empty narrative at the moment you know Mm -hmm. there there's a lot of a lot of conservative points there uh which of course makes people nervous but it's also important to remember that elon is not a conservative necessarily yeah he's given a lot of money to hillary clinton which i don't think you would hear many conservative people doing right so yeah it's it's worth remembering um but let's let's start to take it into the reaction now, Hunter, because I think that this is really where the meat is. Okay. The 
there's been some very peculiar things that happened since this deal has finalized. And one of the most peculiar is things... Is the dead coming back to life. Has, well, <laughs> that and the the giant winking eye that has replaced the sun in the yeah, giant crack been, in the fabric of the sky. That's been weird. I haven't, I haven't really figured out how I feel about that. I keep making the pregnant man emoji back at it, and <laughs> it doesn't... <laughs> It doesn't seem to think. It doesn't seem to change. It's a you know observation of me. Which it is, it is incredible, Hunter. If you're up at three a.m., the eye mm-hmm. will blink twice in rapid succession, and then you can oh. see its long, spindly, dark, tendrilous fingers come through the opening and widen it slightly before re- re- returning them back into the void once they came at oh. nearly a glacial pace. Nice. Um, it's it's worth Optim- looking into. Yeah. Um, I'll have to wake up early for that. <laughs> or just stay up. <laughs> yeah. No, you're probably better off going the other way around. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, uh, no, the most peculiar thing is that overnight, these conservative pundits and con- conservative spokespeople are reporting absolute explosions in their follower counts. Yeah. And when you look at some of the stuff like maybe that Crowder has do- dug into a little bit in his uh, ongoing quest to thwart the big tech bullies, mm-hmm. he has myriad communications from his listeners that say, hey, look, I was following you for a long time, and then I came across one of your tweets organically, and when I clicked on your profile, I'm no longer following you. And he's right. matched this up with data from his account that it looks like he's dropping batches of followers intraday, right? And not only that, but it seemed very obvious that some of his content was deboosted. Now it looks like all of a sudden some something has changed in the algorithm. And yeah. and Twitter has actually come out and verified that this is this phenomena is occurring. This isn't just people making up data or a giant coincidence. They've said, Yeah, that we yes, there are tons of people following conservative accounts. And it's interesting because it there we're also losing we're losing followers from places like um, the example I've been hearing is, is Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift's losing a bunch of followers. Ben Shapiro's gaining a bunch of followers, right? Which is kind so of So people strange. were trying to follow Ben Shapiro, and Twitter was using the algorithm to force them into following Taylor Swift. Which, honestly, honest mistake. No, well, I mean, they're very easy to confuse. They so. are. They are. Because, yeah. because Taylor Swift is just as tall as Ben Shapiro, I think. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Obviously, I'm being facetious, but I don't know what I'm trying facetious. To say. Even I can't. I can't say the words. Today. Easy, if, easy if, for you to say. If it has more than two syllables, see, is it <laughs> syllables? Hunter, yeah. have you been taking some of Joe Biden's cough syrup, my guy? It's amazing, my dude. I don't even. <laughs> I don't even know who Jill is anymore. That's how high I am. She's anyway, the president of my wife. The she's the. <laughs> um. Yeah, so Twitter is chalking this up to hundreds of thousands of conservatives joining the platform in droves. And I think that probably is true in part. I have a hard time swallowing that that is true in whole. It, it It seems fairly obvious to me that something is going on. And... Well, uh, maybe we'll see. Maybe we won't. Maybe the you know Elon and his his posse that rolls in won't be able to uncover exactly what's going on here. But if I were a betting man, I would bet that there are revisions being made to the algorithm that that don't favor those accounts, and the changes are trying to be covered up before before all hell breaks loose. Can can 
have has Twitter been forthcoming with the data of new users jumping onto the platform as compared to their standard user um their standard new user count every day not that i've seen so like that's the thing that's weird is like if you were to say that hey you know we have a bunch of new accounts joining us the easiest way to prove that argument would be to say look typically we receive 50,000 new signups a day you know we're seeing these massive new counts and followers but look we're seeing 200,000 people join the platform for per day you know that obviously is coming from a certain demographic right and we assume based on the people they're following as you can see on what we have going on here you know here's a new account following all these conservative outlets we think conservatives are flocking to the platform now that Elon Musk is doing it that's what i'm talking about that kind of transparency allows people to believe in you, allows people to accept what you're saying, allows people to trust what's going on. And the thing is, every rocket that flies off a SpaceX platform must share the video of it, right? Because that's the kind of person he tries to be. He's completely transparent on the foibles, the mistakes, the flaws, the inefficiencies that he wants to correct in his products, and he puts it out there for everyone to see. This nonsense where these companies think they can just lie to people or not explain things to them is what leads people to think they are bigger, scarier, and uh, conspiracy theories all about them, right? And so this this is right. an easy fire to put out it, if you just trust people. And if you don't act in that way, right, then you're not trustworthy. And, and when and you're not trustworthy... People are going to fill in the gaps. That's the real question, Hunter. And because yeah. you know, you can. There used to be this argument: oh, we have to keep code proprietary. Uh, the open source economy has completely blown that argument out of the water. There right. are absolutely enormous benefits to open sourcing at least certain parts of yeah. your your platform. Uh, just simply because you get free work. I mean, people work on it when they're bored. It's amazing yeah. kind of what the open source community has done, but they have turned this idea that code is only valuable if it's secret on its head. And there's also myriad trademark and copyright laws that still protect you even even after you yes. share your, your code with people from Well, it's from even if you throw the algorithm out of Twitter tomorrow into the open market where it's just it's easy just to uh, right click copy paste and you have a new Twitter like if that if that's what Elon does it's still not Twitter yeah it still doesn't exactly. have the stupid bird you know and, and, so it doesn't matter and this is this is the point Hunter and, and it's a question worth asking and it's a question worth juxtaposing with some of the some of the whining that we've seen and and complete insanity that we've seen at Twitter since since Elon has become successful with his bid it's an mm. easy fire to put out it's mm -hmm. an easy fire to put out. So it necessitates the question, why have you chosen not to put out an easy fire? Yep, it, exactly. It, you have to answer that question. You can't call people conspiracy theorists when you're obviously not doing the things that you ought to do to increase their trust. At mm -hmm. that point, they're skeptics. And you can mm -hmm. turn skeptics into conspiracy theorists by shining light on your own behavior. And if you refuse to do that, you validate not their premise, but the concept that they should have a premise. Mm -hmm. You know, and that this is something that we have to wonder and ask about in regards to Twitter. And combine that with these massive accounts following conservative, conservative pundits. 
Yeah, it looks really, really bad. And my assumption is it looks really, really bad because it probably is really, really bad because the fix is easy if your priority had been fixing it and it appears that it is not. I I also think, Christopher, when they crack open the hood and they show us what's in the algorithm, we're going, which is interesting on another regard, I think we're going to be very surprised at the specific words that Twitter is looking um, for in tweets to put into your newsfeed and like how it's picking those out. And I promise you, it has all the nasty, you know, all the nasty four letter words. It is looking for anything that is provocative. It's looking for anything that verges in the pornographic and all that. And what I think we're going to see is that Twitter has been feeding us back our aggression and our lust in a very, very obvious manner because it, those are the behaviors that keep you addicted in using the platform. Absolutely. And right? we've already seen that in certain other platforms like Instagram, yes. for instance. Yes, uh, exactly. And and I think we're going to get, I mean, th- there's two conversations here and I, I'm, I apologize for mixing them is we're going to see the political agenda of these people. And we're also going to see the um, just unmitigated capitalist agenda if that makes right, sense exactly to, to, to make a product that is actually less to your benefit to make you uh use it more than you should more more than you want to yeah which is hilarious because twitter still can't turn a profit <laughs> you know yes exactly they have not figured out a method to they've made a met they've made a meth and they cannot make meth worth anything right right exactly. like, that, that's yeah okay anyway they can't add a uh, to their meth um yeah. That won't be a rap song. It's <laughs> it's too pithy. Yeah. All right. So let's let's go to the final piece of this puzzle, the fallout. the The fallout has just been glorious, g- glorious, triumphant, <laughs> exultant, yeah. resplendent. It is amazing to watch <laughs> these people lose their minds i don't have a bunch of specific examples pulled up there's many many c-suite twitter execs that have been sounding off about yeah. uh different things one one i think it was the marketing director or the um the brand engagement director or something like this was tweeting out like is it too early for wine which is is pretty tame but also they're in the c-suite of the company so like you got to be a little bit tame the the individual users at Twitter have been talking about how people are going to die as a result of a billionaire, the richest man in the world, owning a a tech company. Um, you you know, like one of the majority shareholders was just like a Saudi prince, like the like not like a generally considered a bastion of human rights, and yet you didn't have yeah. an issue with that. Also, I didn't see any of you chirp up except to say only positive things and carry water when Jeff Bezos bought uh what the Washington Post right yeah so mm-hmm. it seems like a real double standard it actually seems like you don't have any any principles at all it seems like you just have you just have prerogatives and you support those only that support your your prerogatives and you aren't principled on any issue about who should own means of distribution whatsoever. Uh, one of the funniest, and I can't remember the news site that this came from right now, unfortunately, maybe you remember this Hunter, but okay. the, the news anchor who said it was incredibly dangerous for one company or uh, one man to control 
Twitter because what if he and then yeah, he says this was MSNBC yeah yeah says what if he removes a party's candidate or removed yeah. all of a party's candidates or suppressed a certain side's viewpoint or boosted a certain side's viewpoint it's amazing and it's like dude do you do you have any self-awareness this is what sucks about america you look at british comedy and the entire gimmick is that they're insane and self-aware and that's where the humor lies and then you look at american comics and they're just like do you guys think that me referring to my genitals is funny it's like (laughs) yeah exactly and making those noises it's like yeah it's like jimmy carr compared to dane cook uh Mm. jimmy carr is a is a complete bastard and he's hilarious you know what i'm saying because he knows Mm -hmm. he's being a jerk um Mm. but then you look at like dane cook and you're just like you're just a loser but yeah um and and you have to steal your your jokes anyhow it's it's the same example these they're so not self-aware that it is just the epitome of cringe the major candidate for the Republican Party right now, other than Ron DeSantis, is currently banned from the platform, you numbskull. It's, it's the thing that you're afraid of. It is what has been happening. But you won't peep up about it, not even one time, MSNBC, until it's happening to you. Yeah, it's so exactly. insane. But, but this is the thing that's so crazy about this, too, is Elon is not a Republican, Right. He doesn't have a dog in that fight, right? Um, and the thing that's just insane about this is MSNBC is like, uh, the person who likes free speech is obviously going to de-boost us, right? Like that's the subtext of that of that argument, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, what what are you talking about, dude? Like, it's already happened. It's already happened on your side, and it's by the people who are running it beforehand. Right. Like, of course, it's a threat, but like. And One not, re- not a veiled threat. Parag Agarwal right. came out explicitly and said yeah. that his goal is not to allow for a f- open speech. discussion. It is yeah. to, quote, improve the quality of the discussion. Right? Yeah, exactly. So he's saying very directly that he's not interested in a free market of ideas. He is interested in a curated viewpoint. Yeah, it's They're exactly. not hiding the ball. But these, these insane brain dead corpus callosi severed mongoloids in our media only realize it when they think it might happen to them and and you know what this is actually this is actually projection and we need to call it what it is it these people pretend Ah. to be for free speech but they never are. When push comes to shove, they're for free speech, but not hate speech. What do you mean by hate speech? Well, basically anything that I don't like. Okay, yeah. so you're not for free speech then, right? But you like how right. it sounds. And you definitely don't want to be the person that says, I'm not for free speech. Although the little no-name woke soldiers that you're sculpting, they're happy to say it because they don't have a following and they don't have anybody voting for them. Uh, But they also understand precisely what you mean. But it's the height of projection, and here's why. Because these people have no principles. They have no Mm -hmm. principles. And so when they are in the seat of power, they will use that power non-virtuously they will not be forthright about the power that they wield and then when you are in the position of power they expect the same out of you it is the height of projection and this is why the conservatives are in the driver's seat right now you know there may come a day there may come a day 
in my lifetime when the right goes too far and I I switch teams. Right, it's exactly. happened throughout the course of human history, and I'm not beyond thinking that it could happen again. But here's Correct. here's a telling point right now, and it shows where which side has the moral authority to win the day and to make the world a better place bit by bit. The conservatives want the fight. We want a level playing field because we believe our ideas are stronger. Elon Musk is not a conservative. He is critical of Trump several times. He's carried water and donated amazing amounts of money to the the anti-heroes of the conservative movement. Not the anti-heroes. The antagonists of the conservative movement like Hillary, Hillary Clinton. And yet, the response from the right is this is one of the greatest things that could happen in the public square. Right? Yeah, exactly. And the reason yeah. is because we believe on a level playing field, we will win. You, they project that we won't give them a even playing field when we are presenting an even playing field because they know, they know that they wouldn't play fair because if they play fair, they lose. Mm. And they know it. And they know it. So, in summary, this is a great day. This is a great time for democracy. It's a great time for capitalism because it is leveling the playing field for as much as we like to say that it creates inequality, a rising tide lifts all ships. And this is a perfect example of individual capitalists making marked important changes on the surface of planet Earth. And this will be an important an important historic event i believe it is going to allow the true will of the people to be heard more directly and more forthrightly and possibly even more important than that to rebuild trust in the town square to rebuild trust in one of the fundamental institutions that undergirds the structures of our republic and the democratic nature of our governance. And I yeah. think that this is a very, very important thing. Elon Musk is, he is everything that it means to be American right now. He, he, I don't agree with him on everything. I wouldn't make the same decisions as him. And he is. I definitely wouldn't name my kid that. Yeah. I, I don't even know. Like, dude, yeah. buy a new keyboard for real. Yeah. But, yeah. but he's living out the classic American dream and promoting the values that made America great. And so for this specific set of actions, he gets an attaboy from us and don't, don't let them fool you. Don't let them fool you. The no one is afraid. No one is afraid of children dying because Elon makes Twitter a free place. People are afraid that if they have to fight fair, they will lose. Well, I'm glad that you said that, Christopher, because, you know, it's the right thing to say to people, uh, you know, you don't want to fill people with fear and depression as they head out into the Armageddon Twitterverse that is sure to come from Elon Musk taking it over. And as your friends covered in radiation uh, swarm you with their cries for your brains and flesh, you're going to have to defend yourself out there. And the only way to do that is to go to fnxfit.com and get your body. 
It really is. And get your body just filled with the supplements you need to punch rad naked mole rats right in the tooth and send them back to Twitter hell where they came from. Do you know that the only way to protect yourself from lethal radiation poisoning is to take 17 scoops of whey protein supplement per day? Well, that's why I always do it. A doctor didn't tell me that, but I feel like it. Well, a a guy in a lab coat told me it. Hey, he might, like, how do you know he's not a doctor? Maybe the burden of proof should be on you. He actually had a diploma on his wall that was written in Sanskrit. Um, so I don't know what it said, but it looked great. That might have just been a death threat. In fact, it might have. most of the things written in Sanskrit... Anyway, the the point is is that you need to increase your current power level because zombies are one thing that you should never fight fair. So go yeah. to fnxfit.com use checkout code carlpluing you can also go to carlpluing.com slash fnx please for the love of god just buy something buy it and throw it away but support the show you freeloader i hate our audience you guys are the worst um but if you if you do find yourself in the mad maxian online twitter hell scape uh get yourself a geiger counter and get tested 